Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here are your hosts, editor Christian Berg and associate editor Mark Demko. All right, welcome back to the Bow Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Lancaster Archery Supply. For all your bow hunting needs, visit lancasterarchery.com. They've got the gear. They've got the knowledge and they've got the passion. And speaking of Lancaster Archery, we have once again, Mr. Demko, our favorite guest, Mr. PJ Riley from LAS. PJ, how you doing? All right, guys. How you been? I just saw you two days ago and I'm asking you, how you been? <laughs> We've been well. We we managed both with, you know, Mark. Uh, so we were all, all of us were just out at the Archery Trade Show in St. Louis. and. Um, Mark flew home on Saturday and he ran into all kinds of trouble getting home. And I flew home on Sunday and I ran into a bunch of trouble. And apparently, PJ, you were the lucky of the three because you had smooth travels. Smooth sailing, showed up, flight on time, direct to Philly, no issues. That's great. Well, we're glad for you because Mark and I have <laughs> terrible luck when it comes to airports. Airports are the bane of our existence. It's usually that way for me as well. I got lucky this time. Well, anyway, for today, I thought, you know, we could get a, a really good conversation going, wrapping up ATA and then looking ahead to the big event on your calendar, which is the Lancaster Archery Classic, which is just around the corner. You bet. January 5th, 5th, January 25th through 28th. We are looking forward to it. And that's a biggie. And uh, yep. most of the big time shooters will be there. So look forward to talking about that a little bit. But first, let's wrap up ATA. And, you know, Mr. Demko, PJ and I were talking a little bit uh, before we hit the record. What was your take, Mr. Demko, on this year's ATA show? Kind of your overall 30 second summary. It was a great show. You know, it was the first time it had ever been in St. Louis. They really rolled out the red carpet for everybody. It was a, a little bit of a more intimate show, uh, but that gives you a lot more opportunities to, to network and to really get your hands on the product. So there were definitely a lot of pluses there, um, you know, and, and certainly when you go to the ATA show, you really get to see some of the latest and greatest. But uh, I have to say, one of the best things I saw was a 3D target stand from Reinhardt. Sometimes the simplest products fill a biggest need. I've had a 3D target I wanted to put out in my, my yard for a year, and I just don't want to put the stakes and the pegs in the ground for a variety of reasons. And they have a stand that you can use where you can, um, it's sort of telescoping, you spread it out for large, uh, small and medium targets, and you can um, put your target right on there if you don't want to put it out on a permanent basis so you don't have a great location. And so I thought that was the greatest thing that they came out with that this year. Obviously, it works for all of Reinhardt's targets, uh, but it works for a number of other manufacturers as well. So uh, what I'm trying to say there in a long-winded way is it, it really gives you a chance to really dive in and see different things. And when it shows a little bit on the smaller scale, you can see some of those things you might just totally overlook in a normal Man, show. I'm going to... I'm going to forward your resume to the Archery Trade Association. You may want to go into PR for those people because, uh, well, you just did about the nicest, most diplomatic uh, yes. way of saying that it was kind of a, a small show with uh, maybe not as much going on as we've been used to as you possibly could. BJ, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say I, I agree with Mark's um, sentiments about that it was a good one for networking. And it seemed like when you went to the booth, because it wasn't as crowded, I will say, um, that you could spend some time. It was easy to talk to people. You didn't feel rushed, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I would say to me, it seemed like it was down. And obviously it was down in terms of vendors. That was no surprise. But it seemed like it was down to me in terms of people. That was my perception. I don't have numbers. I can't tell you that's fact. But I thought it there was more that there were fewer people around than I recall. Definitely from before COVID. In the old days, yeah, that place was packed. But from last year, I I felt like there were fewer people. Um, and products wise, there were some great things that we saw there. I would I would say I didn't see a lot of 
you know, new and uh, things that you would get super excited about. Um, there weren't a lot, but there were some for sure. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about it being smaller, I mean, clearly the floor plan itself was smaller. Yeah. And then there were some empty booths even within the floor plan that was there. So it was definitely smaller. I think you talked about numbers. It's telling even the press releases that ATA put out after the show. They really didn't talk about numbers in terms of attendees or exhibitors. The only number I saw is that there was 100 vendors or sorry, 100 buyers who were there, retailers who had never been to ATA before. So maybe wow. that was their way of saying that they attracted some people from a little further west by having the show in St. Louis that maybe hadn't been to shows otherwise, but a hundred isn't any great number in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, I'm, right. I mean, I haven't, I don't doubt, you know, that it's true. There was a hundred, you know, retailers there who maybe hadn't been before, but maybe there were 200 or 300 retailers that were there before that weren't there this year. So who knows? I was going to say, I, I think it's, that makes sense to me because I think if you have been there before, you probably can conduct your business and you don't need to be there. Um, that's, that's what I would think. So yeah, for new people, yeah, come in, you know, get the lay of the land, meet some folks. I did meet some people who had never been there before. Um, so that would kind of make sense. I would expect some people who had been going for years, maybe didn't show up because they can do what they need to do in other ways. I like yeah. it myself. I mean, I, I would certainly hope that show would stay around. I, you know, speaking on two halves here as the video YouTube guy, hey, where else do we get all of those folks in one room? And then also for our Lancaster Archery from our business side, that's a great place where we have all of our dealers in one room. Um, you know, so for yeah, both I, of those I, reasons, it's great. And people ask us, you know, like, well, what do you think about the show? And is it that big of a deal if it's smaller? You know, and I'm kind of on the same page as media. We're like, look, you know, even though it's not as big as it used to be, there's still a good critical mass of archery and bow hunting people in that room. Yeah. And to the extent that a little bit smaller show, a little bit smaller crowd, to your point, makes it easier for us to get around, see everybody, makes it easier for us to grab somebody to shoot a video or to show us a product. It's really, really a valuable uh, time for us. Now, yeah. that's totally different perspective than if you're just looking at the archery and bow hunting industries as a whole. I think if I was, you know, a, a board member at the ATA, I'd have different concerns than I do as the editor, you know, of a bow hunting magazine, you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, most people, most people who, who are listening to today's show, they don't really care so much about the health of the show or the ATA. What they really want to know, PJ, is what did you see there that was cool? And Mark, I'm skipping you again because you already told us you like that darn target stand <laughs> from Reinhardt. Are they sending you? OK, are they sending you one, Mark? That's the question. No, that was not a paid endorsement in any capacity. It was just something that caught my attention and you normally wouldn't see it. And it just was like, man, I need one of those. So no, I didn't even talk about that. All right. Well, I think there was cooler stuff. No offense, but I think there was cooler <laughs> stuff than that. But I'm going to give PJ next crack. Yeah. Uh, so um, like last year, for whatever reason, I feel like there was a lot of things that I hadn't seen before. This year, I felt like the thing that jumped out at me first and foremost was the Hamsky new Lynx lock. It's a, a weight system for your stabilizers. Mainly it's going to play in the target world. Bow hunters probably, you know, aren't going to be that jazzed by it, but a weight system for your stabilizers that uses magnets instead of the long rods uh, that we're all used to, you know, if you're one of the guys like Mike Schlosser, who runs like 37 ounces on each end of your stabilizers, there's a lot of rods in there that you need to keep stacking those weights one on top of the other. And so this is just a magnetic system, uh, which was ingenious. I got to talk to the engineers, you know, I, it looks super simple. They said it took them four years to figure this out. And it was just like, some of the small things like to me, I'd think, okay, you put two magnets facing each other 
on these weights and they stick together. Well, no, then they're going to rattle loose. So they had to figure out the angles for the magnets. So they actually pull each other into one another to lock them into place. Just to me, I, you know, I'm always fascinated by the things they have to go through to figure stuff out. So the Hamsky links lock was definitely uh, one of my favorite true ball had a, a new release called the ultimate flex, which actually won best new release at the show. And it's a thumb trigger release that again, uh, employs some magnets in there. It does not have a spring. So getting away from the, yeah, getting away from the springs and, you know, Greg Summers, this guy's a genius. He will talk about the amount of time difference between, you know, when you have a cocking mechanism, uh, there's a spring in there. And then when you activate the trigger that there is this fraction of a second of a delay, you know, I don't know that most people would notice it, but I could definitely feel that, you know, that this thing, as soon as you press the trigger, man, it was just instant that that hook released. Um, and so that one, I, I definitely, I like that, you know, that'll be good in the bow hunting world, but again, that's probably going to live largely in the target world. Um, well, so those better. were two cool things. And then, you know, finally the, tr- the new trophy line hyperlight, everybody was talking about that, their platform, their saddle platform and their sticks, four sticks in a platform together, weighed six and a half pounds ridiculous you know yeah i think it was actually like 6.2 or something like that or maybe the maybe the sticks were 4.2 for four but yeah those things were amazing and probably for certainly for the saddle hunting crowd or anyone really mobile bow hunting because of course you could be a saddle hunter or a you know a mobile hang on stand hunter and use those sticks yeah and you look at one, you know, if you just look at it sitting, you know, like on the table, you're like, well, it just looks like a nice machined aluminum stick. But of course, it's not made out of aluminum. It's right. made out of this magnite material. Magnite, yes. Which is some kind of a proprietary alloy. Long story short, I think it's 30 up to like 30% lighter than aluminum, but stronger. Anyway grab this thing in your hand you pick this stick up and you're like what the heck is this made out of styrofoam (laughs) it's crazy yeah (laughs) so so that was amazing and really you know got a pretty good amount of buzz at the show yeah and of course they've got the platform and the stick so that's going to be a big winner for them and then kind of sticking on that magnite deal you know of course part of ata being smaller you know is um some pretty big companies aren't there. Uh, Hoyt and Matthews probably chief among them. So you've got two major bow manufacturers that aren't at the show. But again, you know, if you're a smaller bow maker, maybe that's not a bad thing because you get a little bit more attention there. And again, speaking of Magnite, Expedition Archery, they actually came out with these bows last year, but they added some new models, more axle to axle lengths basically to kind of flesh out the line but they've got these x-light bows with with magnite risers and i shot the x-light 31 uh and i actually thought that was a really nice bow and i'm planning to get my hands on one of those expedition bows this year and do some shooting and hunting with that it had um, not only was it you know, nice and light because of that magnite material. I thought that it had a really smooth draw cycle. I thought it was really comfortable at full draw and it had a great follow through, you know, just kind of rock steady on target. And then when you let it go, the bow didn't go anywhere for about a second. And then there was just a very slight tip forward out of my hand from the top. And uh, that was with nothing on the bow you know, a bare bow. So you add, you know, your accessories, obviously is going to add some weight, but of course the weight will help you to be more stable. And then you work with a, a stabilizer. And, and if you want to add a sidebar or a back bar, you can really get that thing balanced. I think that that would be a really sweet shooting hunting bow. Yeah. I did see that one and pick it up. I didn't shoot it. It was didn't super shoot light. it. Well, let me tell you, I know you saw some things I didn't see. You missed out by not shooting that at the show. <laughs> and I know, of course, and we discussed this too, like 
Lancaster doesn't carry the expedition line, but I was like, you no. might, you, you guys might have to pick that up. Yeah, that's, I, I don't dive into that world. So no, I, I can't speak to that one. <laughs> um, that's our and, buyers. Right. Right. And speaking of which, man, your buyers are like some of the, the biggest under the radar celebrities at that show, because if you're an LAS buyer, you're one of the people that like every vendor at that show wants <laughs> to see in their booth because that yes. guy could place like a six figure order for your new widget. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you're in the archery industry, you know, Steve Yoder. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to think what else I saw that was really cool or interesting. Um, you know, I got to give a shout out to tethered. I don't know that they had anything totally earth shaking or groundbreaking, but you know, this is kind of a parallel to your owner, uh, Rob Caulfield, you know, Rob Caulfield has a reputation in the industry. He'll do anything if it supports archery as a whole, right? He just, he knows if the sport does well, that LAS will do well. And Tether uh, kind of took the same tack with a whole new product line that they launched this year. It's called their grit. Gritgear.com is actually the website. So they've separated these items off from the other products that you'd see at their regular Tethered Nation website. And this is a brick and mortar specific product line. They've got a saddle kit that comes as a full kit with the saddle and all the ropes that you need to climb. And they've got a, a, a workhorse platform. It's the workhorse saddle. They've got two different workhorse platforms. And then they've got... Um, some workhorse sticks as well, which are kind of a hybrid between the tethered one sticks and some of the previous tethered sticks that they've done, but they're really nice. They stack together. They're relatively light. And so their a goal in, in creating the grit lineup was, hey, we want to take saddle hunting. Obviously, it's been uber popular, right? Big explosion in saddle hunting in the last five years, especially last 10. Yeah. But even in spite of that, saddle hunting is still pretty niche. If you take, you know, 100 bow hunters, there's probably still not more than 10, you know, out of every 100 that are actually saddle hunting. So there's still a lot of room for growth there. And they're trying to make high quality, affordably priced gear that can help more people get into saddle hunting. And they want to get this stuff out into the retailers so that people can actually see it, feel it try it on. Maybe some of these stores will actually set up, you know, a post in the store, have a, have a platform on there. So guys can get in the saddle and experience, maybe even shoot a couple arrows out of the saddle on the range. So I think that, yeah, obviously they want to sell that gear, but I think that it's actually a, a pretty forward thinking uh, strategy on their part to keep growing that segment of bow hunting. Well, one of their strategies with that was to simplify it in terms of, you know, if you watch YouTube and stuff, okay, I got to have this rope. I got to have my lineman's belt. I got to have my bridge. I got to have all that. And with some setups, those all come separately. And then your connection points, your ascenders. So they came out with their saddle kit. And like you said, and it's one box. Here's the box. You buy that box. You have everything you need for a saddle. You buy this box, you've got your four sticks and everything you need with that, and then you buy a platform. So you can go in, you buy three things, and you have everything you need for saddle hunting. So they wanted to simplify it that way as well, because sometimes you can get lost in the weeds figuring out, you know, this diameter rope, what do I want? You well, know, exactly. It, all that. You know, with saddle hunting, you can always go deeper. Yeah. But but like you said, this is to demystify and simplify right. like you just want to get into it. Yeah. This will get you in the door. And yeah. then once you're in the door, you can take it as deep as you want to go. Yep. Speaking of that, I'm going to hit one more thing in the saddle world. Latitude Outdoors. They've got some new saddles coming out later this year. They were kind of soft launching them at the show, but didn't really want to promote them big because they won't have them until the summer. But two things that they did have, we actually did a video on. And again, Mark talked earlier about the, the stand for the targets. Sometimes it's the simple things that make the big difference, right? Sure. Lat Latitude has two new bow hangers. 
for saddle. Oh, anyone, honestly, any stand or saddle hunter could use them. They kind of created them with the saddle hunter in mind. There's one that bolts directly on your site. It's just like a little J hook and it's designed to just go right in, in their gear strap that goes around the tree. And then they've got another bigger one that folds out that's designed to hook into their gear strap so you can leave it actually in the strap. So when you take your strap on and off the tree, it's right there and then you just have to fold the hook down and it's already there. And they're both like public land friendly because it does nothing screws into the tree. They're both super light. And it's again, those are the, just the kind of really handy little things that can make a hunt uh, uh, go better, so. Absolutely. But, uh, and then I guess we should give a shout out, Mark, to 10 Point, because I guess, you know, in the crossbow world, we'd be remiss if we'd say, hey, you know, and I know they launched it a little bit before ATA, but I saw it in person for the first time at the show, the TRX 515, Mark. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, when you when you think of crossbows, they're undoubtedly the leader in the industry. And, and you know, a couple of years ago, they came out with the one that shot 500 five feet a second and you think you know across but how far can you take that te technology but they just continue to innovate and you know when they tell you that bow is going to shoot 515 it shoots 515 when you're using the proper bolts uh you know we do some crossbow hunting and yeah it, it, it's just incredible that they continue to come out with with these new and innovative products and they're sort of pushing the boundaries of technology well and you talk about them being a leader in the industry but i'm man Raven isn't going to just seed it. You know, they're going to give them a fight because actually it's funny that Raven wasn't at the show. But in today's archery wire, PJ, there's a press release from Raven. They just took the wraps off of their 2024 products and they've of got course. a new cam system and they're claiming all sorts of stuff over there. So <laughs> the, the arms race continues in the crossbow space. <laughs> yes, it does. I, I got to shoot the, we did a video in the TRX 515 here before the uh, show, we launched it at the show. And what gets me with those things is, man, you better have the right target for those crossbows. Cause I didn't have one of the high speed targets readily available. So I had to make do. So I took an American whitetail blocked or backed by a block target. And that thing would sink to the fletchings every time <laughs> on the American whitetail. So I'm sure it would have gone through if I had not had the block behind it. I mean, those things are just powerful. You know, we're talking about crossbows and there's just one other thing I had in it. I saw with the show that was unique and Barnett came out with, well, I guess what they call pistol crossbows. I don't know if either of you had a chance to see those little demons. There's three in the line. Now they're not uber fast. You're not going to use them for big game hunting, but you might use them for a small game or small game, shooting on yeah. targets. Maybe in Turkey, they shoot, oh, about 200 feet a second. And they're really light and uh, pretty cool that they came up and the bolts are small. They're probably only this long, you know, maybe six, eight inches, but the crossbow industry is constantly pushing the envelope and trying to come up with new products for, for today's hunters and today's archery shooters. Yeah. And that's, that's a little bit, you know, of a contrast to the vertical bow market and let's swing back there because, you know, and I had some discussions, PJ, I mean, it's not really a secret, uh, dynamic efficiency on compound bows has like creeped up into the high 80, 88%, you know, range. And, it's there's just not that much more to wring out of the system. So, yeah, we continue to see things like material advancements like magnite or, you know, new carbon, you know, carbon continues to evolve. The companies are getting better at the way they employ it, the way that they build the risers. So we've seen design enhancements and things like that. But as far as power and the other big thing, again, you know, crossbow versus compound guys, this is like. You can't get around the fact, PJ, with a vertical bow, guess guess what the limiting factor is when it comes to that speed and that power? It's you and me, because we're drawing those bows, uh, you know, with our own energy and imparting that into the bow. And so, you know, what can you draw? Even if you're a big he-man like PJ Riley, you're not going to get over 100 pounds of draw was, weight, you know? I was just going to say, we're not all Cam Haynes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, some guys might be pulling 80, but really most of us are pulling 
you know, men are pulling 60 or 65, maybe 70 pounds. And, and the ladies are probably in that 40 to 50 range. Whereas you look at some of these crossbows, I mean, it's going to be over 300, maybe 350 pound draw weights. Well, yeah. it gives you a pretty good advantage when it comes to the speed game. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because, you know, I get it. We, we talk about speed. That's always the first thing we talk about these bows. And I personally have just never been a speed guy. I really don't care how fast it is. Usually at some point I'll shoot through a chronograph to see how fast my arrows are going, but I really don't care how fast it is as long as I can shoot it accurately. And there are some bows that I think have been getting better at being, you know, having the ability to shoot them accurately. Um, I always like to say, uh, I, I think I'm pretty realistic about myself. I can make any shot. I feel like I can make any shot. I'm not going to make that shot every time though. And so I need some forgiveness in there because I am going to make mistakes. And I've been finding with a lot of the bows lately that they've been getting better at minimizing the times where I am going to do something wrong. Uh, this year, there were two there was a PSE 30 inch bow, Mach 30 DS, and uh, Matthews Lift 29.5. Short axle to axle bows for me. You know, historically, I've been going for the longer ones. And I just thought, man, these short bows are shooting nice. Uh, Hoyts, I've, uh, which, what was their new one this year? Uh, their 30 inch bow. Oh, that the Alpha yeah. X, the aluminum yeah. bow? Or? Yes. Yeah. Uh, shot well as well for the short bows, which surprised me because historically I stayed away from those. But this year I was like, man, these things are shooting awesome. So yeah, speed, we're not going to keep up with crossbows, but I got to give it to them. They've been tweaking things to make these bows more shootable. Absolutely. And as I always say, speed thrills, accuracy kills. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can have both, so all the better, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. And the faster bows, I mean, it's getting to be where, you know, a lot of these bows that the manufacturers are advertising now as really smooth bows, you know, really yeah. stable bows. They also have IBO ratings like 340 or 336 feet per second, which is pretty fast, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I boy, I get all, how fast does it shoot? I'm like, I, I don't really know. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, there's one more thing, you know, before we sort of shift gears, since you had mentioned some releases earlier, this is for the really niche guys, for all you people out there that are unconventional with your hunting and, and shoot a resistance activated release like me, which is to say very few, a very small percentage of the market, but Stan released a brand new resistance release at the show called the Onyx, O-N-N-E-X. And it has, for the first time that I'm aware of on a resistance release, it's a single jaw release, but they put a spring-loaded gate on the other side so that you can actually clip this thing to your D-loop and let it hang like if you're hunting in the tree and, you know, I had talked to people at Carter and probably Stan in years past and everyone was like, oh, well, you can't do that on a resistance release. And I'm like, why not? You just need, yeah, why you, could not? Even, you could even have you just used a piece of rubber, you know, that would have held it on there. It's like, but there was no, as far as I know, PJ, up until now with the release of this Onyx, there has never been a handheld resistance activated release in the industry that you could clip on your D loop and let it hang if your bow's there and you know in the stand or the saddle. So I'm really excited about that because I've been shooting the Perfex resistance for like the last five, six years. But I want to get my hands on one of these new Onyxes because that'll be just perfect for my hunting. Yeah. And so you mentioned that uh not many people shoot a resistance. That is true for hunting. But in my belief, anyone who shoots archery should have a resistance release in their arsenal you know archers we all have multiple releases everybody i believe should have a resistance release because one of the things that it does is really helps with target panic for me well, that was right which cure. is why i ended up going to it yeah that that was the cure for me when i had a horrible horrible case of it i just shot a resistance release for a year and psh, 
target padding went away. Not saying that that will happen for everybody, but it really helped me. And I know it helps a lot of folks as well. So what do you hunt with now? So now I, I hunt with, uh, uh, index finger release. Um, that's what I hunt with, but you know, I'll, I'll shoot thumb buttons and hinges and stuff like that. And, um, different applications, but that's what I hunt with. I never went hunting with the resistance because I do fear the, um, the unknown with that. I can see myself pulling a little bit hard by accident. (laughs) Just don't take that safe. Just don't let the safety go until you're ready, you know, but, uh, and I, and I will throw out one thing. This isn't a new product, but there are a lot of well, I mean, the majority of bow hunters are using wrist strap index finger releases. And if you've ever wanted to try a resistance release, but you just don't want to switch to a handheld, I'm just going to throw this out there real quick. It's it's not really a plug, but my friend, John Dudley, he makes a release, actually Carter builds it for him, I think, but it's called the back strap. And it's a wrist strap index finger release that you can actually use as a, as a resistance activated release aid. Yeah. So that's a good option. Anyway, let's shift gears. Uh, good show, you know, I think overall, uh, probably not a ton of earth shattering, ground shaking stuff, but a good solid show. And yeah. next year we're back in Indy, which is my favorite place. Yes. For ATA. I will be glad for that. Yep. Mainly I'll be glad for the more variety of restaurants. It felt like at St. Louis, there weren't many and everybody was at all of them. Yeah. And uh, it's just hard to beat St. Elmo's Steakhouse. Everyone oh, wants yeah. to go back to Indy for a shrimp <laughs> cocktail and, and a big yes. filet. Absolutely. <laughs> so with that, let's talk, let's talk tournament shooting and, and indoor yeah. season because, uh, you know, Vegas is just around the corner and and the Lancaster Archery Classic, you know, not only is it like sort of the official unofficial tune up for Vegas, but it's kind of become, I mean, you know, I guess we can't really say that it rivals Vegas. Uh, you can say it. But it does. You know what I mean? It kind of does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little bit different game than Vegas. Uh, you know, Vegas is, is still the big boy, uh, but we're catching them. We're expecting, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of 3000 Vegas is at 4,000. So we're, we're running them down, but it's a different game than Vegas. Um, so, right. So talk to us about the classic and, and, you know, again, most of our audience being bow hunters, maybe they think, oh, you know, this is, this is for the, the target people, but no, that's not true. There's an awful lot of bow hunters there. Absolutely. And actually our, uh, bow hunter class, um, our payouts are among the highest, I believe eh, somebody can check me and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe our bow hunter class, we pay more than Vegas. Not that everybody's going there for payment, but what we like to tell folks is, you know, especially bow hunters, you know, how do you recreate You can sit there and practice all day, but how do you recreate the pressure when that big buck is coming in? And I've talked to many people, Levi Morgan among them, you know, avid bow hunter, also excellent target shooter. Levi has said several times, tournament archery is the only thing he's ever done besides hunting that is like hunting, where the adrenaline gets going, you get tense and you're, you know, all the same reactions you have in the stand, you feel that on the line. So yeah, that's a good place for anybody to practice. Um, but yes, we have bow hunter classes, you know, there's all kind of divisions, bare bow, re- Olympic recurve. And like I said, January uh, 25th to the 28th, we're expecting about 3000 folks. There's also, you know, we have youth classes for the full classic. If you shoot the full classic, what you're going to do is you're going to come in and you're going to shoot 60 arrows for qualification. Okay. That's one day. Then uh, that's Thursday or Friday. Starting Saturday, we have elimination matches. That qualification is going to rank you, and then you're going to have head-to-head matches. Ultimately, we're going to whittle down all the divisions to either eight or four arch, excuse me, 16, because there'll be eight matches, 16, eight, or four um, archers that are going to compete in a final. That's not right either. Is that right, Kyle? 16, eight. 
Because if you have eight, no, I'm wrong. Eight versus seven. Yeah. Eight or four. Edit that and, out there. Right. Eight now, or four. But anyway, that's going to get you to, um, you know, to ultimately a winner. And one of the unique things about our tournament, one of the things that the archers really love is, okay, if you do that elimination and ranking matches in any other format, it's, it's going to come down to three versus four. And the best you can do is third place two versus one. And then that's going to be one or two. Anybody else is out of it for us. If eight make it to the finals, that eighth person has a chance to win it all. And so at the classic, what we like to say, all you have to do is shoot good enough to advance and you will have a chance to win. Now that's going to be rough. You know, if you're the eighth ranked archer, what we do is called a shoot up. The number eight archer shoots against number seven. Number The winner of that shoots against number six, five, four, three, two, one. That's how we go. Uh, but you have so, a so chance. If you go, so if you go into the shoot up as the number one, you're only going to have one match. One match. The worst you can do is, is second. But you but had the, to earn that. Yes. And also, but the downside of that is, okay, let's draw an analogy to the NFL playoffs. And... Let's take the San Francisco 49ers who got the buy in the NFC as the number one seed and they get yep. two weeks off. But yeah. there was concern because their quarterback, Brock Purdy, is a young guy and he doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. And they were thought, man, if this guy sits around for two weeks, will he be rusty when we play again? And we'll find that out this coming weekend. But. You know, there maybe is something to be said for the momentum that you can build as an eighth or seventh or sixth place shooter where, yeah, you might have been seated sixth coming in, but you just beat five, four, three and two. And now you're feeling great about yourself and you get up against this number one guy and he's been sitting there watching all this. And all of a yes. sudden, man, he got to perform. If you ask the pros, they would rather not be the number one archer. They would rather be two, three, or four, and get a couple matches going in against number one. Paige Pierce famously lost two or three years in a row before she finally put it together, and she finally won her first classic, but it and, took her And did times. she win? Did she lose all those out of the one position and then win out of the one position? Yes, she did. Yeah, gotcha. Well, um, so and I... And I wonder if there's anyone who's good enough to actually sandbag a point or two to move down to two or three on purpose. Well, I wonder if anyone a, ever does that. That's a gamble too, because the other thing is any of these archers will tell you as well, elimination matches, all bets are off. You can shoot absolutely perfect. I, I unfortunately saw Braden Galantine. He's one of the archers who have shot a perfect 660 qualification score. And then he got beat in eliminations. So the elimination matches, you know, folks are good enough to shoot 12 arrows, 15 arrows, 12 or four ends, uh, three, 12. So, yeah. Anybody can shoot the 12 arrows perfectly. And you, you know, if that's when you have your one nine, you're bounced out. So it's a, at least if you go in number one, you can do no worse than number two. However, as you mentioned, you're cold and the other person may have a couple matches. The number two archer at least has one match before that person comes against you. So right. that could be a benefit. But what I wanted to say was, uh, uh, so there are youth classes within that tournament and that will require, require you to be there for two days. We also have separate, but part of our tournament is called the Easton Youth and Collegiate Trophy Tournament. So we'll have another 700 kids or so that come in for that. And that's one day you, you come in, you shoot your qualification on the same field as all the pros, everybody else, but your time commitment is only one day versus potentially two or even three days. You might have to commit for the classic. Um, so well, it's kind of a tournament within a tournament. Yeah. And Mark, you know, you and I have been to the classic uh, you know, at least a couple, two or three times and probably get down there again this year. It's just a great atmosphere. And why don't you talk about that a little bit, Mark? I mean, where else, what other sport can you compete as an amateur and literally be on the playing field with you, if you will, 
you know, with all the luminaries and pros and, and top world shooters in your sport, you, you're not going to do that in the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball. You know, and it, it is a tremendous experience. And it's not, you know, when you see all those people, especially in the early rounds, step up to the line at one time and, and they're working to qualify. It's incredible. And I have to say, you know, one of the things that really grabbed my attention is we're not just talking about people from throughout this region or across the country. PJ, I'm guessing you have people come from all over the world. I remember talking to somebody last year. I think they were from, from uh, South Korea, if I'm correct. Koreans are coming this year. Yep, that is correct. Some of the best. Uh, Olympic recurve archers in the world, they will be there. But yes, all over the world. Well, let me ask you this, PJ. I know, uh, you know, when this podcast will run, let's see, today's the 16th. This will run the 23rd, so it's just going to be a couple days before the Classic starts, right? Is yes. there Would there still be any time for people to get in on this, or is registration closed at this point? No, registration closes, I believe, the 19th is when it closes. Gotcha. So, so if you're hearing this, I guess tough nuts for you, you didn't make it in this year, but you can still come out if you're close by and watch come because that, that's another thing, you know, you don't typically see at archery shoots. You guys have a quite a large spectator area and you get a lot of fans at these things. Yeah, definitely. Anybody can come out. Um, you know, if you're local and you have kids, we're having a meet the pros night on Friday from six to 8 PM. So you can bring your kids out, you know, they don't have to be in the tournament just to meet a bunch of the pros, but yeah, watching these folks shoot, you can come in and see the finals. I mean, the finals is like high pressure, dark room spotlights on the archers. It's there's only two archers out there head to head up on the platform. I'm out there as the MC and I'm nervous. I'm not doing anything. I can't imagine what it's like to have to shoot with under that microscope. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's, I can't believe I didn't mention this because we need to, I mean, this is a big, big, big deal. Uh, Lancaster has, you know, a, a division, I'll call it for lack of a better term, but ham competition, archery media, and you guys broadcast, you know, a lot of the big archery events around the country. But of course you have wall to wall coverage Whoa. of your own tournament. And so talk to folks about what you guys do there and where can people who aren't close to the spooky nook sports complex in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, where you're going to be, uh, you yep. know, if you're in Iowa or California or New Mexico or whatever, you can still tune in and watch Absolutely. all this stuff. Yeah. Yep. We will have uh, qualification lines Thursday at noon and 4 p.m. We'll be live streaming that on our competition archery. Uh, no, Lancaster Archery. So it's the CAM team. But since this is the Lancaster Archery Classic, we'll be using the Lancaster Archery Supply channels. So it will be on the Lancaster Archery Supply YouTube page. We'll be live streaming those qualification rounds. Same thing then again Friday, except it'll be 8 noon and 4 p.m. Saturday, we'll start at 8 a.m. with the elimination matches ahead of the finals. Finals, if you just want the finals, they start at 1 p.m. Saturday. Again, Lancaster Archery Supply YouTube channel. And that goes till about 8 o'clock at night on uh, Saturday. Sunday, we come back 8 a.m. and we go till 3 p.m. And of course, our grand finale is uh, it's about like one o'clock Sunday. We start with the Open Pro. That's our our biggest prize payout, the Open Pro division. That's our last matches of the day. Winner of that takes home $20,000 just from us. With contingency and everything, that person could take home fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Of course, I have to mention this year, we have a separate pot, fifty thousand dollars on the line for archers who shoot a perfect six sixty. So, and if one person shoots a perfect six sixty, regardless of what else they do in the tournament, they're going to take home fifty thousand dollars. If up to three people shoot it, we'll have a, a shoot off to pay it out. But even in the three, 
person, you know, it'll be 30, 20, uh, 10, 50,000, 30, no, 30, 15, I forget what it is, 25, 15, 10, any, you know, whatever it is, we're going to be paying out that 50,000 for the perfect 660s. There have only ever been five shot in 19 years, but we had two shot last year. Zach Plonsky, Bodie Turner. Um, so it is, and I've been seeing some targets from guys posting this year. There are some guys who are really working on it. I think they want that $50,000. So let's say somebody wins that and then wins the classic. That's $70,000 right there in the open, pro, if you're in the open pro class. There's still a few days to sign up, Mark. I mean, all you, all you have to do, you don't even have to win. You don't even have to win one elimination round. All you have to do is shoot a 660, buddy. Get yourself over there. <laughs> you know, theoretically, if you can hit that 11 one time, you can hit it 60 times. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Absolutely. I mean, I might be able to get three or four in a row. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's the What's the best story you've ever seen in all the years? Like, like somebody oh, okay. that did qualify for the lowest that's, possible seed. And what is it? That's that's easy. That's no brainer. Guy's name is Tim Hanley. Okay, he became known as the CEO. If you look it up, Tim the CEO Hanley, you'll find that. I'll never forget this. He he shot in the uh, men's open division, which is our biggest division. I don't know. There's like yeah. 400, 500 guys in there. This this is the step, you know, open pro is the next class. But I remember him coming in on uh, Sunday to shoot. He was coming in to shoot, but he came up and he just had like a, a nice uh, plaid shirt on, you know, jeans, cowboy boots, just looked like a regular guy. And he was holding a bow case. He's like, hey, where can I put this? And I said, oh, you can sit over there. I thought he was like carrying his buddy's bow. Next thing I know, I see he was the number eight seed in men's open division. And he shot all the way up and won that division. He's the only person to ever come in as the number eight and win it all. And just you could feel the anticipation, you know, as he gets to number five, number four, number three, the crowd's like getting behind. They're like, all right, we want to see this guy do it all. <laughs> So that, uh, I mean, that was just an awesome year. That was just like two, maybe three years ago that he did that. And that was just incredible to be there for that. And that kind of launched a bit of a career for him. Maybe he already yeah. had one, but he ended up getting a bunch of sponsorship off of that and stuff. Yeah. He went open pro um, the next year. I'm He's registered this year. I'm sure he'll be in the open pro class as well. He made the shoot down last year or the year before in the open pro division. So he's, he can hang with the big boys, you know, just life. He's been doing other things as well. He hasn't been able to spend as much time on archery as he would like to. Um, but yeah, that, that he's just, and just a great guy, you know, and the, what's funny is his nickname, the CEO that came from the YouTube verse as he kept winning massive uh, his matches they just started on YouTube saying, you know, because of his button down shirt, Hey, he looks like the CEO. <laughs> so by the end, we're all called him Tim, the CEO Hanley. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, Mark, we, uh, we got to make a point to get down there again, because there's always a bunch of interesting folks to, to speak with. And uh, we can usually record a couple great podcast episodes down there and you just never know who you're going to bump into. So um, wish you guys the best. I know it's a marathon for you and the whole crew. They're probably like an all hands on deck situation for the LAS Correct. staff. And, and, and you get like a 48 hour sleep after it's all done. <laughs> yeah. And we had, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, if you do come there, if you watch it on TV or whatever, everything you see is Rob Caulfield's vision. All of this is, and you know, that finals area, this is all his imagination, what he put together. And it started with just this little, you know, it was a tournament down at the pro shop. That's what it started at. And this is what it has turned into 100%. That's Rob Caulfield all there. Yeah. And I'm sure Casey's shooting, you know, 
Yeah, uh, she'll be there. You know, so you can go see Rob's daughter, you know, is the number one uh, female archer that we have uh, in the United States and obviously an Olympian. And, yeah. um, you know, just one of the many very, very accomplished archers that you will see at the LAS Classic. So, um, yeah, great, great event. Um, and gosh, like you say, Rob's vision and probably just a little bit of luck, I think, being the East Coast. It's yeah. perfect the way that it's grown. It makes a total sense, doesn't it? Not only as a tune-up for Vegas, but it's like Vegas is not close to Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Yeah, and we, so, you know, we, you've got the East Coast giant mega shoot and you've yeah. got the West Coast giant mega shoot. Well, there, there used to be a big one in Atlantic City for years and years and years. Uh, and then that shoot went away. And so this is now kind of the East coast. Well, it is the East coast's largest indoor archery tournament. So. Perfect. Well, Mr. Demko, before we wrap it up, was there anything, you know, on your mind that you wanted to touch upon? You know, no, I think we covered everything, you know, talking about the ATA show, talking about the Lancaster archery classic, um, you know, we go into the off season hunting, you think what there is, you know, what it is there to do, but you have great competitive shoots like this in Vegas. And, you know, obviously you're getting close to the deadline to sign up, but you can still, if you live in the area here in Eastern Pennsylvania, get out and, and see the tournament. There's a buzz when you have all those world-class shooters there, you can watch it online. As PJ said, it's just, you know, there's a lot going on, even when you get into January and February. Spooky Nook Sports Complex. That's where we're going to be in Mannheim, PA. That's where we'll be. Well, shout out to you and everybody at LASPJ. I'm sorry that Kyle didn't have a microphone today because I always enjoy the voice of God, as I like to call him, on the podcast, the unseen but heard voice of he who controls all of the controls. All of it. That is great. So giving the thumbs up. Awesome. Well, thanks, Kyle, for your good work, too. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time on the Bowhunting Podcast. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com. <laughs>